We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of NFL Food for Thought right here on rotogrinders.com. Absolutely insane week of football. I'm Justin Carlucci here, and I'm alongside of Keith Eister, who's filling in for the Chief this week, who might be a little bit under the weather. So I hope you get well soon, buddy. But Keith, great to have you on board here, man. How are you today? Yeah, I'm doing well. Excited to be here. Uh, Hopefully Chief gets well soon. Um, Thinking about him for sure. Um, but yeah, exciting week of football coming off a, an awesome game last night. Your, your Titans pulling it out late. So that, that was a fun game to watch for sure. Yeah, it was a late night for me, uh, for sure. And uh, we get to our story time segment at the end. I had the Titans as my final leg in a 12 game parlay that uh, maybe you saw on Twitter, but there's a little twist to, to my story there. And uh, I did tweet out about it. So I was transparent, transparent about it. But I had a wide mix of emotion when uh, Josh Allen slipped and fell into Jeffrey Simmons, the best interior lineman on the Titans. I was ecstatic, but also uh, confused as to the outcome. (laughs) So uh, we'll get to that at the end. But huge win for Tennessee, who lost to the Jets a couple of weeks ago. And if this is not more of a cliche week to week league, and we talked a little bit before the show here, Keith. We have six weeks of data from this year. There are still many assumptions to be made because there's so much context behind everything. Yeah, the Bills look like world beaters, and they are very good. They might be the Super Bowl favorites. They might be the AFC favorites. You know, three of their wins were against Houston, Miami, and the Washington football team, though. And they beat the Chiefs, who, wow, defensively, uh, maybe they are 
bottom of the barrel in the league. And we'll get to the Chiefs a little bit later in the show as well. So there's so much context around such a short data sample size always when things are always changing in a week-to-week league that that's what makes this sport so addicting, right, Keith? There, Everything is just flipped on its head. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you touched on Buffalo a little bit there. I, I think they are an elite team. What I, what I don't think that we saw kind of through the first five weeks is that their defense is elite, and, and especially their rushing. Like, I think their pass defense is, is among the top in the league, no doubt about it. Obviously, you're facing Derrick Henry, and that's never an easy task. Um, but their, their early season schedule was really, really soft. And I think their rushing defense may have more holes in it than it looked like it did through the first five weeks. Obviously, they were exploited by, by Henry last night. Um, but I think that might be a little bit bigger of an issue than, than it originally looked like it might. So that, that was kind of a takeaway for me from, from that game last night. Absolutely. That, that's definitely the, the first elephant in the room was fantastic game on Monday night. I'm satisfied with the outcome. Bills fans uh, are not. I had a couple friends in Nashville. I do actually know a few Titans fans who live up here in the Northeast who are as demented as I am, I guess, being a Titans fan in Pennsylvania. Um, and they said Broadway was just overrun with Bills fans. And, um, well, we'll see you later. Have a good play at home. But <laughs> uh, incredible game. And I do think the Bills are elite as well. This is such a league of one play. Every referee's decision matter. Every snap matters in this league. We saw it in the Dallas-New England game, which we can talk about momentarily, that every snap matters. This isn't, you know, you know, in Major League Baseball in game 35 where there's three balls pitched in a row to batter XYZ. Like, that's kind of irrelevant for the most part. But the NFL is just absolutely insane. I think, I think you're right about Buffalo. You know, there's so much talk about how good this defensive line is and they're able to uh, keep fresh legs in there and cycle in seven or eight guys. Um, Tremaine Edmonds is a beast. You know, they just got Matt Milano back. You know, there's some... There's some adaptation, you know, when you don't see the field for a couple of weeks. And I do think the Titans are like sticking a square peg through a round hole because it's such a pass happy league. First of all, you're not accustomed to anybody running the ball, you know, 25 to 30 times against you typically, which is Derrick Henry. And secondly, you're not used to Derrick Henry hitting you that many times when you have such a soft uh, schedule in terms of uh, you know rushing totals against you. Uh, the Bills really didn't see a lot of a lot of rushing attempts against them, as you said. A lot of them were game scripted out, you know, total blowouts. So maybe they weren't tested as much. And uh, there was a Titans uh, offensive line who lost Taylor Luan for most of the second half, on top of everything. And uh, you really did see Buffalo get worn down physically and mentally, surprisingly, uh, in that fourth quarter. I know it sounds stupid. And I know there's a lot of people who are straight analytics and there's a lot of people who are straight eyeball people. I think maybe you can be a little bit of both when you evaluate something, because in the first half of that game, we know the Titans bread and butters is play action, getting AJ Brown and Julio open. uh, And the linebackers weren't really buying it. Even after Henry's big run, it was tough sledding for Tannehill and company. Second half of that game, you start thinking a little bit slower um, um, AJ Brown's biggest catch of the fourth quarter, all three of their linebackers and their base defense bit on the play fake to Henry. And it was just pitch and catch. I mean, me and you probably could have completed that pass and would have met value on DraftKings showdown last night. I mean, that's how easy it can be uh, with AJ Brown uh, and, and Ryan Tannehill uh, with, with the hall of famer, Derek Henry in the backfield. Absolutely. Um, I think the Titans uh, passing game is, is interesting. And I mean, obviously going into this matchup with KC next week, um, 
they're going to be guys we're interested in. So Julio left with a hamstring injury. Yeah. Um, man, it, it's tough. I don't know. We'll see what his status shakes out to be, but hamstring injuries for wide receivers are tough. Um, I do. I was encouraged by what I saw from AJ Brown. He was obviously questionable all week coming into that game, um, but he looked pretty good. So I think we'll at least have AJ Brown to play in what should be a, a massive total there uh, with Casey Tennessee. Uh, because it, it gets pretty dicey for the Titans and their their pass catching talent after AJ and Julio. Yeah, and and that worries me as a fan. Uh, we'll get to that game for sure in our recipe for success segment. Um, Julio's availability. I mean, I jokingly said, could you imagine how good the Titans would be with Corey Davis? <laughs> availability <laughs> is critical, and I love Julio as much as the next guy. And uh, I, you're right. Hamstring injuries are um, lingering often, and they're in a stretch of games where they have Kansas city and the Rams and the Colts. So um, not, not ideal. AJ Brown also said he lost eight pounds over the weekend and had food poisoning, had four IVs and he actually came out and said it. He ate Chipotle and he said, sorry, Chipotle, I guess I'm not getting any endorsements from you. Oh man. (laughs) So uh, I guess that was his little flu game, but great game. I think the bills are going to be fine. They have a pretty soft schedule. They're, they're my betting favorite to win the AFC still. And uh, see, I'm a pretty unbiased guy, which uh, is why I do well, typically, I guess. And I, I think we're going to be targeting the Bills very frequently in DFS as well. Um, you mentioned the Julio injury. Uh, thankfully, the Browns are on Thursday night football. We'll let the showdown guys take care of that one. And thankfully, it's not our showdown slate. We're on Sunday night. So we won't have to worry about that mess. But for you uh, showdown players and you season long guys, Kareem Hunt, it looks like he's going to miss at least a month. And uh, Nick Chubb, who knows? I mean, short week. I have Nick Chubb in a couple of home leagues, so that kind of stinks. But um, you have any – did you hear anything about the Browns injury stats? And of course, Baker Mayfield uh, got popped last week too. Yeah, man, tough. I mean, Cleveland relies so heavily on that running game, and now it looks like both of their studs are, are going to be out. So uh, there was some rumblings that Chubb may make it back by Thursday night. I don't know. That seems kind of unlikely, but – there's not, not much left. I think it'll be Dearness Johnson as kind of the early down back and then Felton they'll mix in for the passing down role for sure. Um, but yeah, I think, I think uh, Hunt out for sure. And Chubb is, is very questionable for, for Thursday night. So definitely a situation to monitor for showdown. Okay. Talking about injuries here in our elephant in the room segment, uh, Antonio Gibson got hurt. Um underwent an MRI I believe or either that or he is today Um, McKissick came in and did McKissick things in a trailing game script had 10 targets that's what we were so used to seeing last year for the most part and if Gibson doesn't play or is limited you know they have Green Bay McKissick's 5k on DK and PPR scoring how interested are you in a scale of 1 to 10 if that's the scenario uh, yeah, I would, I would be very interested in McKissick at 5k. I, th- I think they would be trailing in that game. Um, I don't know that McKissick would have an every down roll. I think who would it be Jarrett Patterson probably that they would try to work in on some early down stuff. Um, but definitely you'd see some sort of a role increase for McKissick and he's obviously an elite pass catcher. If we get the right game script, uh, him at 5k would be definitely in play. Uh, I played a fair amount of him and last week because of that that game script with Kansas City that we expected, and that that worked out pretty nicely. So I think it would be something similar to that. I like it. I like the call there. Um, 
another injury is Saquon. We don't know the deal there. And the Giants are taking on Carolina. And Devontae Booker is still pretty cheap. Um, Carolina's run the on paper. Uh, you know, they have some household names. Pretty strong. Is this a context thing where maybe this is like a strength of schedule thing? I, I don't know. I mean, Dalvin Cook was all right. I know the game went to overtime last week. But if Saquon's out, do you have any interest in in Devontae Booker at 5,500? I mean, you would you think on paper it's a rough matchup, but um, I'm not too scared of Carolina. I, Sam Darnold, I mean, we blamed Adam Gase. And then every week I was looking at PFF grades. His quarterback grade has been declining every week. I'm sure that doesn't help Chief out, you know, with with whatever illness he's dealing with. Uh, as he's a Panthers fan, oh, man, sorry, buddy. That was that was a rough one, a gut wrenching OT loss to uh, Minnesota. But I, you know, it's possible that's a that's a crap game, Panthers and the Giants. If <laughs> Saquon's out and God, but uh, Darnold's having trouble sustaining drives. I mean, it could be one of those shorter field things for the Giants. Maybe Booker dumps one in and he's fine. But I don't know what Booker's upside is, even though if he's going to play a lot. So tough for me to justify playing him even at that cheap price tag got any thoughts there yeah I'm with you I'm I'm have a hard time with Booker he's just not not that great of a back I have a lot of respect for Carolina's defense I I mean they're a a young and -and up-and-coming defense but I think there's a lot of talent there um they've certainly showed it through through the first six weeks here um so yeah I just, just like you said not a great game environment overall um I think there are much better spots to look to yeah, that, that, that's a tough game environment. Um, even if we get some news on, Kad- on Kadarius Tony, who um, left the game last Sunday. I mean, I guess you could see what happens throughout the week with that receiver group. Galladay, Tony, and Slayton all have questionable tags. In some weird world, if they're all out, I mean, then we could talk about Shepard on pure volume. But other than that, if, you know, two of the three play, like, it's tough in that probably low volume kind of garbage game environment. I, I do have more interest in the Giants passing game. Um, let's see. Gilmore should be eligible to come off uh, reserve, I think, for the Panthers, right? Yep. Um, so that might make a, a, what's been a pretty good pass defense already uh, even better. So definitely a situation to monitor there if, if they get Gilmore back for this week. Um, oh. But I was just – the I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on this Giants wide receiver situation. They're all – really nicely priced. I think Shepard's in play regardless, even if, if Galladay and Tony suit up, but yeah, definitely interested in the Giants receivers. Latavius Murray has a Q tag. He left the game last week. They're taking on Cincinnati. Uh, One of my good friends was all over Latavius Murray, which is fun. He's a large field player and he came in at 2% and he was way overweight and he scored the first touchdown. And I I didn't know when he left, but I saw then Le'Veon Bell came in and scored. And I think Devontae Freeman also scored. And I'm like, man, you would have been onto a monster 2% call. Um, So this backfield has been a mess since the unfortunate domino effect of J.K. Dobbins and then Gus Edwards. Just unreal stuff. Um, Imagine the firepower they would be having with, with either one of those guys healthy as well. Taking nothing away from Latavius Murray or Bell or Freeman, but there's a reason why the Ravens were able to pick up Le'Veon and Devontae Freeman on onto their practice squad is because they've just lost a step or two. So, I, you know what? I'm looking at Le'Veon Bell. Let, even if Murray's out, Le'Veon Bell's 4,500 and Devontae's 4,400. I, I still don't know what the upside is. I mean, sure, you want to play a couple large field darts? I, okay. Uh, but, you know, you still have uh, Williams lingering around. And um, 
I, I guess they just don't trust him as he kind of got phased out a little bit after he was just chalk a few weeks ago playing a ton of the snaps. So, like, is this one of those, like, if, if Murray's out, is this one of those murky situations where maybe Williams becomes the lead back again out of the blue? Like, who, who knows? He's the best runner at this point out of the rest of the group, in my opinion, in terms of, like, talent. Yeah, I agree with you there. Man, as as somebody who owned a lot of uh, Lamar in tournaments last week, those three three rushing touchdowns from from other people not named Lamar was was very frustrating. So, um yeah. he didn't play that badly, but he, his score obviously uh struggled because of the lack of touchdowns. Um yeah, who knows what the what the Ravens are doing with all these, I don't know, 30-year-old running backs. Tyson Williams looked great. I think he's definitely the most explosive runner there. Um, they don't trust him in pass protection, I guess, or that obviously there's reasons um, in house there where they're, they're not utilizing him despite him being probably the most talented guy. I, I think you have to have some interest at these price tags. If, if Murray does end up missing, it's not a comfortable situation because like, it looked like a three headed split last week. Um, but I mean, 4,500 and 4,400 on Bell and Freeman would be pretty interesting with as much as Baltimore likes to run the ball, probably not safe enough for cash, just with the uncertainty surrounding the situation. But I I would have some interest in tournaments. Yeah. So, uh, Murray played 38% on the snaps before he left. And then it was pretty much an even split. Uh, Le'Veon outsnapped Devante 22 to 21. So that's just a garbage situation there as well. Um, and I totally get my buddy uh, who, who played Latavius Murray and asked me about it before a lot, getting a little bit of leverage there. So that was just a, a tough break for him. And maybe those would have been his additional two scores. But um, Lamar was projected around like 20%. Did he come in around that in some of the GPPs you were in? Or was that something yeah, like he, that? Yeah, he definitely got up above that 15% mark, which is, I mean, we don't see quarterbacks get that high very often. So yeah, people were all over it. You know, the thing about, I know this is kind of a look ahead, but Lamar traditionally slaughters the Bengals too. I'm trying to pull up his stat muse uh, as we look here, but um, before, before we get to a look ahead, like give me another one of your big takeaways. I think we covered most of the injuries that we know about right now anyway. Um, So I don't know if you're seeing any, I missed, if not, like what else was a big elephant in the room for you after Sunday's action? Um, one situation to monitor the bears running backs. We should get Damian Williams back. I think they're playing the bucks. So we're probably not interested in that situation anyway, but probably not going to have Khalil Herbert to, to think about this week um, with Williams back. I probably see that as a split. So probably no interest in the bears backfield, especially against a tough matchup in Tampa Bay. Um, a huge takeaway for me. I mean, it's, it's not really new, but we just, I'm going to continue to hammer it home. Cooper Cup is absolutely elite alpha wide receiver. Like, dude has received double-digit targets in every single game this year. Um, even the game that Robert Woods went off, like, Cup was still out there, uh, got 10 targets that game, and he's been above 10 every single game this season. So just, I mean, his price tag is up to 8400 on DraftKings. It, it feels like we shouldn't have to pay that much for Cooper Cup, but if you look at the numbers and everything this guy is doing, I mean, he is in, in the usage realm of like Devonte Adams. Like it's, it's absolutely elite among the entire league. So I'm just going to continue to jam in Cooper cup. Yeah. And you know what you, like you can perceive cup as the move the chains guy slot receiver, which is fine. 
but he's still top 20 in the league in air yard market share as well. So he's benefiting. Exactly. He's benefiting from Matt Stafford. And we're starting to see the skill gap. At first, there was speculation as of if, was it more of a McVay scheme thing or like how wide is the skill gap between Stafford and Goff? I know there was some speculation around that, but it is clear that Stafford is much better than Jared Goff. So I hope the people that were, you know, throwing that crap out on Twitter can put that to rest. So Cooper Cup, big benefit from from Matt Stafford's arrival. And Matt Stafford, big, big uh reaping the benefits of McVay's system and having a ton of talent. So um they are they're fun to watch. And you're right, Cooper Cup's been unbelievable. And uh it's just so funny what a little better quarterback play can do to some of these skill guys. So I know Robert Woods owners are a little irritated, but it's a long season. We're only a third of the way through and I while I do think Cup will continue to produce and probably end up as a, I know you had a hot take and thought he might, you know, might be, what was it number? Was it top five? Or, did you read the one that said top? Oh no, it was TJ that said he'd be the number one overall fantasy receiver. Are you going that hot by the end of the year? <laughs> I mean, I think you have to consider it like the production. I know he's running a little bit hot on touchdowns probably, but the target market share. Um, I mean, he's up there among the top in the league. I don't see any reason why it wouldn't continue um, unless they're just like Woods gets unhappy and they, they try to force feed him or something. But I mean, everything we've seen from usage early in the season, like cup has to be in that conversation with like Adams and Tyreek and uh, DJ Moore. Like, I think those are probably like your top four ish that are in contention for it. But yeah, cup is in that conversation for sure. Yeah. Uh, huge, huge, uh, year for Cooper Cup. I just uh, know they have Detroit this week too, so you, you've got the the Stafford Goff showdown. Um, but Daryl Henderson is absolutely going to be somebody we're going to be looking at also um, against that really bad Detroit defense. A little bit of revenge game too for Stafford, and for sure. <laughs> like I know we're early in the week, we don't have ownership projections yet. Do you think Cup's price will negate ownership against Detroit, or is he still going to be like an elite cash option? As of now, I mean, of course, we don't know if there's going to be any free squares opening up come Friday or Saturday, but um, like, is, the, is there going to be sticker shock among the industry? I think there will be. Um, and you look at the two guys ahead of him, Devontae, 8,900 versus Washington. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of interest there. And the one that there's going to be a ton of interest in, assuming health checks out, we'll have to see the practice reports and things like that. But Tyreek Hill against Tennessee is just a smash spot. So people are going to want to pay up for those two guys for sure. Sticker shock on Cooper cup. I could see him coming in a little bit under the radar this week, but we'll have to see how it shakes out. So another big elephant for me is I know we want to talk about this game is the Cowboys are just an elite offense. They played about as sloppy as a football game as you could play. And I'm the last one to ever like criticize officiating but boy, has it been brutal between MLB and NFL and college football? Like officiating across the board has been poor, very poor. And I know you can make the argument, you know, uh, I feel like a non-millennial argument would be, well, it's the, it's the age of social media and you're just exposed to more bad calls because everything's online. But I, I don't think so. I mean, you even heard on Monday Night Football, uh, whoever the guy from New York was, I forget, the head official was like even irritated that they were taking so long to make calls on the field in the Buffalo, Tennessee game. It was kind of funny, um, but there was some brutal officiating in that Dallas New England game, in my opinion, regardless, crazy ending to that game. You and I were on the Sunday night showdown uh, show 
as the YouTube chat was keeping us posted. And um, I wish that turned out a little bit differently for you. You know, Zeke still had a ton of opportunity, which probably kills you deep inside 17 <laughs> carries and nine targets. I mean, God, the, th- the thing is, and I, I think last week, I think I talked about it with chief. I think it was chief, but so Prescott threw the ball 51 times, but now with the emergence of Dalton Schultz um, and Jarwin still there and healthy, who was a, who's a productive tight end. Like it's hard to get that 15 target game out of lamb or Cooper anymore. Um, and yeah, the game went to overtime and lamb, you know, still saw 11, which is great, but Prescott's, Prescott is is very well squarely in the MVP conversation, honestly. And uh, he's a guy whose injury we're going to have to monitor too. He was in that little boot. They're on a bye week, I know, but they, he's really spreading the ball around too. So um, you can mix and match so many different stacks there, where the Cowboys are suddenly a team where you know you can have a good amount of exposure, but not have the right stack to uh, to make it work there. So is this more of a case of? Dallas's offense is elite or maybe New England's defense isn't as good as as we initially thought it was throughout the year or is it a little bit of both I think it's a little bit of both um I do lean more I think the New England defense is good and and well above average um elite might be a stretch but I think this Dallas offense is definitely elite um I mean they're just a very well balanced like both of the backs I mean Zeke looks great um looked like he had, he was kind of falling off uh, last year, but he he's back in there and um, yeah, the uptick in, in targets was a nice, nice surprise for me as somebody who had him at the top of a tournament last week. Um, And Pollard looks just explosive uh, kind of spelling Zeke out of the backfield. So just a combination of two great backs. Um, The receivers were elite, are elite, will remain elite um, with Cooper and Lamb there, and then Schultz has has really taken a nice step. So yeah, I mean this this Dallas offense, uh, I think Dallas overall as a team um, is a lot better than we thought they were. Even their defense with what Trayvon Diggs is doing on the other side, um, but that that's also changing the way that they need to play on offense, and and we need to consider that for fantasy. Like they they no longer need to just run plays at an insane clip and just try to outgun everybody on offense because their defense can actually actually hold their own. So I think it's costing us a little bit on fantasy. Um, so it is, it is a lot tougher to find the the stacks for fantasy where last year you could throw Dak in there with his two receivers and, and have a pretty good shot at an explosion, especially, I mean, obviously before Dak got hurt, but I don't think we have that anymore with the way the running game has looked and the way the defense has performed. Um, it's going to be a little bit tougher to find, um, that elite Dallas passing stack. Um, I'm with you on that. I agree. Um, you have any, any other big takeaways? I have a couple more in, in the, uh, in the clip here in case you want to hear what I have to say. Um, I don't have anything right off the top. Go ahead. Okay. Well, spin, spin this off of me. I, a couple things here is we're going to revert to Thursday night football and uh, Nick Sirianni and trust me, Nick Sirianni. I'm in the heart of, you know, Philly sports talk media. I'm about an hour and 30 North of Philly. He, he has taken on more than he could chew. Like we've seen like novice, I don't want to say novice, younger first or second year head coaches either initially take play calling or inherited them somehow by chance. And I think it's just too much. So is there going to be any narrative-iness around 
getting the damn ball to Miles Sanders because this is sort of a look ahead, but he's 5,100 against the Raiders who don't scare me whatsoever. Uh, Much improved defense. I get it. Max Crosby and company. But if he's actually going to, if Sirianni's actually going to like have a, a bit of a brain here, I mean, he's feeling so much pressure from everybody in the outside world too, to give his best player, arguably the damn ball on offense that, you know, it's really not rocket science here. So Miles Sanders, I, I, the price tag is justified so far based on the volume and opportunity he has received. But this is, these are one of the things where this could change. I mean, like if it's going to change at all, the philosophy here with Philly and Nick Sirianni, and he wants to get the media off his back and maybe actually win a ball game here, which they really need to, to get a W in a very winnable game against the Raiders. Like it's time to give Miles Sanders the football. He is way too freaking cheap. 5,100 on DK. That's like second string running back price. We talk about throwing in there like Devonte Booker's 400 more than him. So like, is there, is there a chance this week that it's Miles Sanders with the opportunity? <laughs> Yeah, he was not somebody that stuck out in my my initial glance, but it's it's because he's been so far off the radar this year. Um, but I, I think that's a great call. Um, Hertz has looked a little bit shaky in the passing game. I know he's performed for, for fantasy. He's been a great fantasy quarterback. But if we're talking real-life football for a minute, um, he hasn't quite been getting it done in the passing game. Uh, obviously, he's an elite rusher, and that's part of what's cutting into Sanders' role. But – I agree with you. I think they would be be well served to go a little bit more run heavy, especially in this matchup with Las Vegas. Um, the Las Vegas pass rush has actually been really good this year. Um, and I think they can negate that a little bit by, by handing the ball to Sanders a little bit more. And he, I mean, we've seen him. He's a t- very talented guy from everything that we saw out of him last year. So um, yeah, I think that's a great call. Okay. I have one more uh, open-ended question to you. Make it two. I have two open-ended questions to you, and then we'll move on uh, to our recipe for success and more of a look uh, ahead of this coming week and kind of what we're looking at. My first one to you is, what do you make out of Justin Herbert and the Chargers, the darlings of the NFL, other than the Bills coming into you know week six, uh, six points with those weapons? You know, he, Statement game from Baltimore um, after almost – you know, uh, dropping one to the Colts previously, I, I made a, I made a joke. I'm like, and that was the last time Justin Herbert's name was in the MVP conversation. Like that, that might've been it for him. He could have a fantastic year, but that might have, uh, those tickets might be ripped up. Those futures bets we have in on Herbert, um, winning the MVP or whatever. What do you make of that game? Is it an anomaly or was that, you know, was there some tangible stuff we could take away from that? I, I don't know what to think of it. I, I do know that, I mean, I mentioned having quite a bit of Lamar, but I had even more Herbert attacking that game um, in tournaments last week. Like Herbert was just looking so awesome pro- coming into that game. Baltimore dealing with a ton of injuries, as we know, is, even on the defensive side. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't think Baltimore's defense would be able to, to stop them. Thought we'd get a great game environment but the Chargers just, just didn't show up. Uh, and I don't know what to do with it at this point. Um, I, I'm going to probably end up writing it off as, as just a blip and they didn't game plan correctly or weren't able to get anything going. 
got behind and, and panicked a little bit. And then it, it turned really ugly. And you just kind of throw games like that out and go back to what you know and what, what has made you successful um, up to this point. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I still have plenty of interest in this Chargers offense. Um, Keenan Allen is another guy that I had a, a ton of exposure to. Like, I, I think Mike Williams was more injured than probably shouldn't have been out there. I think that was a, a big problem for Herbert and, and the offense as a whole. That's kind of how they have taken a step forward is, is Mike Williams looks like a true alpha wide receiver and it's, it's impacted Keenan's production, but um, just a big physical guy and um, somebody they were, they were utilizing much more than they had in the past. So he gets a little bit healthier. I think, the Chargers can go back to being elite. I mean, with Eckler, Williams, and Keenan, like th- this should be an absolutely elite offense. I, I'm not too concerned about one week where they just looked absolutely awful. I'll, I'll probably be going right back to them. Yeah. Uh, some guys are just late bloomers. Mike Williams uh, looks great. Stud. Um, yeah. In, yeah, stud. And if there's a team that should be comfortable trailing, in a sense is the chargers because they just pass so much, but um, you know what? It's funny because we all, we always say, well, we'll throw one game out and then it's just a week, you know, look at the Titans lost to the jets. We don't know, you know, beat the world beating buff Buffalo bills at home. Like it's such a week to week league that it could have just been a, Hey, like Baltimore, Baltimore had their number that week, you know, whatever adjustments they made. And you're right. They're dinged up, which is a little worrisome, but um, the chargers aren't on main slate. Actually, I think they're on a buy. Um, as are the Cowboys. So a lot of, uh, a lot of household names are, are off this week. So there's less higher end options at quarterback and including no Justin Herbert, which I think um, is interesting too, because that could have been a nice bounce back. Um, what have you done for lately, lately recency bias type of maybe loan spot if we were lucky. Um, unfortunately, they're not on the main slate. Um, one more thing here. And it is like, I think if there was any doubt that, that they weren't is I think the Cardinals are, are the best team in the NFC. Um, I know Cleveland got beat up in the second half of that game, but uh, right from the rip in that one, I mean, that, that was uh, one of the teams in my parlay. I took the Cardinals and the points. I thought, you know, they were getting three and a half. I think when I took them, I thought, you know, it was a fairly even game. And I thought the Cardinals were just a better team uh, based on pure talent. And um, Cleveland, you know, without Jarvis Landry, you know, Kareem Hunt went down, no Nick Chubb. Baker Mayfield. I mean, it just got worse for for the Cleveland Browns, who who are in a bit of trouble now. And now it's going to be can now it's going to be Baker Mayfield has to go out there and win you some games. So I think we're going to get a real sense of what Baker Mayfield's really made out of moving forward here. And he's dealing with a, a dislocated his shoulder. So what is he even capable of doing? But uh, super impressed, as if I wasn't already with Kyler Murray and company there. Just a no brainer, like wipe the floor with the Browns performance. Uh, the Cardinals are, are the real deal. So, um, but another offense, Keith, where you expect DeAndre Hopkins to have 1600 yards, but Ky- Kyler's doing the deck. He's spreading the ball out. Christian Kirk, AJ Green one week, you know, Rondell Moore the first couple of weeks, uh, Chase Edmonds, James Conner, good luck. I mean, it just seems like neither of them consistently produce because Murray's uh, getting it done with his feet again. Um, and the first part of 2020, I think he historically was the highest scoring quarterback in fantasy for a period of time. And then obviously he dealt with that lower body injury and just wasn't the same in the second half. So are the Cardinals the best team in the NFC or are they the best team in football right now? Or is it still the bills? What, what's your, what's your call here? Yeah, this, this is the spot I had identified when, once you were, um, you had said you wanted to, to get a couple off your fire, not Philly. And I was looking through and I was like, we got to talk about Arizona. 
Um, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins, um, very concerned about his usage as an alpha wide receiver. Um, as far as overall team, I think it's working. They're a better team because they're not just kind of forcing it into Hopkins. Like the things Rondell Moore is doing, even AJ Green looks good. Um, the two-headed running back um, situation there. Um, but yeah, just, just a great all-around, well-rounded team. Um, it's working for them. I, th- I, I lean, I think the Rams, I know they, they erase the Rams, but um, I, I like that. I think that's a, a toss up between them two at the top of the NFC. Um, but from a fantasy standpoint, it's very difficult to, to find Kyler Murray is, is super expensive, first of all. And then they're spreading it around to three wide receivers. Um, now Zach Ertz is going to be involved in this offense. Yeah. <laughs> like, Max Williams had a, a decent role before he got injured. So I imagine that that Ertz steps right into that. Maybe, maybe that ends up being the answer as we go Kyler to Ertz. Um, yeah, Ertz's price tag is 3900 Chalk City. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, love that spot. Um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, is there any way, any reason that he doesn't step right in here? I mean, veteran guy, um, excellent run blocker. So he's going to be out there. Uh, definitely tons of interest that that actually is going to raise Murray's ownership from where I thought it was. Obviously we talked about the, the KC uh, Tennessee game. I think Mahomes is going to be super popular. So I was thinking Murray would be completely like unowned in this spot because it's tough to stack him. Now that you have earth with it, um, maybe he gets more ownership than I was originally thinking that he might, but yeah, very interested in this Arizona offense as um, a whole, definitely elite and um going to be looking to exploit that going forward in fantasy for sure it's almost like the cowboys in a sense where okay you want to play the cardinals good good luck getting the nut stack figuring out who who exactly to pair with kyler hopkins has 34 percent of the team's air yard market share kirk has 25 and aj green has 25 but hopkins kind of has the tyree kill treatment a little bit here um it might be skewed a little bit in week five Hopkins had 75% of the air yard market share. His other, his other weeks, week one, 34, 15, 13, 46, big number, 75 in week five, big number. And then only 19 last week, but he scored twice. You know, it's so funny how touchdown equity could change your perspective on someone. I mean, if he doesn't score twice, it's like, where was DeAndre Hopkins again? Right. So, and you look at Christian Kirk's numbers, right? Kirk has a 25% air yard market share. 22% week one, 35% week two, 42% week three. Right when you're jumping on board there with Christian Kirk as the number two, 2% of air yard market share week four and 6% in week five. And then he comes right back up to 45% of the air yard market share in week six. So it is tough to identify where the ball's going. And Zach Ertz adds a new wrinkle uh, into figuring out where the hell the ball's going to go up. I think we both agree Ertz is going to be the no-brain chalk tight end play in cash game builds this week. I don't. I mean, we could see sixty percent ownership at that price tag probably at tight end, a, a position where nobody likes to pay for anybody anyway, outside of Travis Kelsey. So I'm interested to see where Kelsey will project against Tennessee and and, and Zach Ertz there. So it, man, is this going to be one of the Millie darts where James Connor is the puke leverage and dumps it in three times in like a forty-five to nothing game against Houston? Is it going to be one of those, man? Man, I, I really hope not because ton, tons of interest in this Arizona offense. But Connor, that's like I've played a lot of Chase Edmonds 
this year and he's looked really good, but it just not having a goal line role is, is quite frustrating. Um, yeah. Just giving it off to, to the plotter, James Connor. Connor, the plotter. I think we just uh, got a new nickname for him. On real this. quick on Hopkins. I, I might have more interest, but the price tag is still elevated. Um, it like elevated more to his role last year than where he has been up to this point this year. Like you said, if he doesn't score those two touchdowns, I think we see a price drop on Hopkins here. And then I would have had a ton of interest, but at 7,700, I mean, that that's up around, he's getting close enough to like the cups, Tyreek Adams tier where he just doesn't have that same North of 30% target market share. So, right. It, it, he's really tough to play at that price tag. He is tough to play, but like he had that one week of 70 plus air yard market share, a couple, like one week of 40 plus. So it's almost a great large field GPP kind of look, right? Because, but it, it, I don't want to say Hopkins is boomer bust at this point, which sounds ridiculous, but at that price tag, you're either going to get, you're either going to be in a great spot or just, you know, you're tilting late slate already. If, if he doesn't get, he doesn't get that air yard market share. I mean, they got weapons. They have underrated weapons, and we didn't even talk about Rondell Moore, who much who was. I wasted some fab budget on him earlier in, in the season, and he's still on the field, just like not as gadgety. They 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 have weapons. AJ Green, Fountain of Youth, like they have underrated. It's funny to say the Cardinals, who are undefeated, have some underrated weapons, but they they truly do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I was talking. It's just hard to find. Like you have to guess. It's almost like if you want to stack the Cardinals, you have to build three or four teams with them just to like, to be able to know you're going to get it right. Um, Cause it's a tough combination to figure it out. I do like that Ertz is there now. And especially this week, he seems way underpriced. That's probably where I'll, what I'll just end up doing is, is Murray to Ertz and maybe I'll sprinkle in an AJ Green or Christian Kirk, but yeah, tough situation, but love, love the Murray to Ertz now. I feel like every week I say this, so this is like, I just should have a voice recording of it, but Brandon Cooks is still your air yard market share leader in the NFL. Nico Collins came back, saw a handful of targets, looked good. Cooks still had 57% of the air yards market share. Um, And like, if I'm going to put any money on any take, it's going to be that Houston's going to be trailing for three and a half quarters. (laughs) Cooks hasn't scored since week two. He saw 13 targets again last week. You know, 17 DK points, had a couple of duds. Um, but Cooks, I mean, like on this slate, if you're looking to kind of like, you know, mitigate or cross off some of that ownership, if the Cardinals come in fairly, you know, higher than you want, then like I don't mind looking at Cooks because the trailing game script, the air yards, like eventually he's going to score again. It, it, it's just going to happen. He's 6K on DK. He's probably right at that price where you're like, I'm not paying for Brandon Cooks in Houston, you know, but if it's part of a game stack, um, I don't mind that. And my last thing with my look, my look back here, and then we'll get into the week ahead is Jamar Chase is just still too cheap. Like, I don't care what the matchup is. We just mentioned all the injuries Baltimore has in the secondary. Maybe that Chargers game was an anomaly. Chase is second in the league in air yard market share, 46%. He's phenomenal. You know, PFF rates him out. Uh, best receiver against man coverage. Baltimore plays a lot of man, blitzes a ton. This is a great spot for Jamar. 60, was he 6,700? Is that, is he not even 7K? 6,200. All of these Bengals wide receivers are completely underpriced. Uh, like T. Higgins coming off a of chalk last week at 5,300 gets a price drop <laughs> because he didn't do anything. Um, and, and then Tyler Boyd is down there at 4,700 as well. So yeah, these, all three of these Bengals wide receivers are very, very underpriced. 
Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. And by the way, quick plug here. NBA is starting on Tuesday night and our team is ready to rock and roll. So uh, we have a ton of content popping off. Um, as soon as we get done here, I'm going to knock out some PGA content. We're, we're firing all cylinders, Keith. This is the greatest, one of the greatest times of the year right here in October. Super busy, right? Um, still got the MLB playoffs re- wrapping up. It seems like um, I don't, people just always forget about the the MLB playoffs until the World Series, but it's really some some great baseball being played, also. But yeah, super excited to get into to the NBA. Um, we'll we'll be doing some content for that. I think we're on the uh, some Sunday crunch times before our our football show. So um, yeah, be be fun to get into the NBA sweep, swing for sure. I was waiting for that MLB reference. I'm just a salty Yankees fan, but uh, I've, <laughs> I've been watching and it's been an incredible postseason too. It really has. So uh, every time I see Jared Carabas tweet from Barstool, I just close my app and I'm like, all right, like I've just seen enough of Boston, but incredible run for, uh, for Boston specifically. And um, you know, a lot of people didn't have them where they were. If you have any futures tickets, like going to be a fun sweat for the Red Sox. That's for sure. Um, okay. Let's get into our recipe for success segment. And we touched on a couple of things, but um, one of the, the chalkier games or games you would quote unquote need some exposure to is the Kansas city, Tennessee game Titans on a short week, get a desperate Pat Mahomes and desperate Andy Reed. And I'm crapping my pants over here. <laughs> Titans coming off that super high win against Buffalo and uh, they get the chiefs on a short week. So not feeling too good about that four and a half line, uh, 56 and a half total. And, we said that might creep up to 60 and we haven't seen a 60 burger in a while. Talk to me about this game. And of course there's going to be interest uh, in this game. I mean, fade at your own risk. There's going to be some cash game plays, but like some crossover there. Like you might need some of these plays and, and maybe get different elsewhere, depending on what kind of format you're playing this week. Yeah. I I'm very concerned about the ownership here. Um, but man, it is, it is a juicy matchup. I, I don't think either one of these defenses is good. But I think both offenses are elite. Um, just what an awesome game environment this should be. Um, and then, I mean, from the Tennessee side, if, if you have Julio out, I mean, A.J. Brown becomes a great play. Um, obviously, we just saw what Henry is capable of. We've seen it all year, like just on pace for a record amount of touches, rushing attempts this, this year. Um, and we didn't talk about the McNichols injury, but that that, that is something – that we need to monitor because if Henry gets that passing down role as well, that just makes him like that, that raises, he already has an enormous uh, ceiling just because of his touchdown equity. You add some, some pass catching into that. We're talking about just like the best fantasy player ever. Right. Um, So we'll have to, we'll have to see how that McNichol uh, injury shakes out, but yeah, this game environment is going to be the best of the week. 10 games again this week with buys and uh, things like that. But um, this will, this will definitely be your first look spot for sure. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think if I, if, if I read correctly, um, my dog just got back from the groomer and she is amped up and boy, is she a pretty girl? And then they give her those bandanas when they're done. So um hopefully she doesn't knock my mic out here but just had to throw that out there um she has her titans bandana on today by the way victory tuesday represent (laughs) yeah um anyway yeah this this game and mcnichols if i'm reading this correctly he wasn't inactive and i know he was dealing with an injury so he suited up 
and I, I played a couple of showdown darts. That was it. And I was like debating on tossing him in. I'm really glad I didn't. But so he was, I think, active, but but didn't play. So we'll have to see there. And if you play a if you play a game script where Tennessee doesn't get going early, and that's the biggest worry. Like Henry wears wears defenses down. The Chiefs defense is so bad though, which kind of makes me feel a little bit better. And again, I guess that's just more of an assumption since we're only six weeks in, but they look pretty brutal. That I would just worry about the Chiefs getting out to way too early of a lead. Um, last year, Arthur Smith, when he was the OC, was stubborn and would run Henry in negative game scripts until they kind of crept around. But McNichols is like a legit playmaker for this team, and they'll they'll play him. They'll they'll put him out there. So, God, can you play Jeremy McNichols on a main slate? <laughs> like if he's ready to go. I mean, if you're playing a Millie Dart, I, I guess maybe, but. Um, if, if he, I mean, he didn't play at all. So let's just say McNichols is limited and Henry has grown as a patch pass catcher. Like you said, AJ Brown, God, if he practices full all week, 6,300, I mean, we're probably looking at another cash game type of play there at, at a total price thing. Right. Um, and that is scary because he's been injured. Hasn't really played a full complement of snaps like at all, uh, this season, but without Julio Jones and the gauntlet of a schedule, like they're going to need him to suit up and, and play close to, you know, 90% of the snaps there. So the problem is it gets so murky after AJ Brown, like there's no John Smith anymore. Maybe you play Ferkser in some larger field GPP stuff. I'm, I'm having such a tough time. Uh, Westbrook Aquina played a lot, was a really good blocker last night. No upside doesn't scratch the itch there for me. Chester Rogers. I don't know. He's been relevant on and off. I thought Marcus Johnson was going to be the guy. He missed the first couple of games of the season, had a fantastic camp. Um, two weeks ago now, he had, what, six catches against the Jags or, or something like that. It was a fairly productive game. So I, I, I don't know. After, after Julio Jones and this, and this pecking order, you're going to have all these guys who you don't know who to play. They all kind of stink talent-wise, uh, coming from a Titans fan. Uh, but they're all going to be, you know, sub 5%, 2% owned and, Jeez, I mean, if they go for, you know, five catches for 60 yards and a touchdown, uh, I think Ferks are probably garners the most ownership as a way to maybe get different and get a little piece of this game. Again, that doesn't really do it for me. But eventually, Ferks is going to score. Like, he's another guy who they have to get going. Yeah, like, Ferks just hasn't had the role up to this point. Like, he's splitting with, like, Michael Pruitt and Jeff Swaim. Like, he, he's just not <laughs> – like I know you, you get Janu out of there. You think Ferkser is going to step right into like a massive role. And he, he has not been out there for full snaps. So I don't think I end up getting to Ferkser. I, I, I mean, I think it's just AJ Brown and Henry for me on the Titan side of this. Give me all of as much of that as I can fit. Uh, the one guy I think I might try to mess around with, if you're looking for a super cheap punt, like Millie play Westbrook Aquina got, a little bit of run at the end of that Bills game. Um, he saw like three targets in the fourth quarter. So I don't know what that was, like why he didn't have much of a role in the, in the game up until that point. Um, but just watching that game, all of a sudden he popped up, like they targeted him like three times in a row, it felt like. So um, I don't know. We've tried that before and it hasn't worked oh, out, but he'd be, he'd be the one guy I might try to go back to. The thing about Vrabel and this and his, like his style is like, and his staff, they're just football guys. So if they're like Westbrook Aquina, you know, you're blocking better in the first two. Like you played well, you're sticking. Like there's no, <laughs> it doesn't seem like he's very analytical. I don't, he just, or maybe he puts off that football guy persona. I mean, he's actually made some decent aggressive coaching decisions, but in terms of the personnel behind after Julio, like, I, I don't, I don't know, you know, Josh Reynolds, uh, 
was a scratch too as well. And a lot of people pegged him as like the sleeper in that offense. And before that Julio Jones signing, it was supposed to be Reynolds. It's tough to peg there. I am worried about ownership in this game as well. But talk to me about the Chiefs side. I know we can't spend forever about this, although this game could probably be an entire show if you want to get it. Yeah, it it certainly could. Like, there's just so much goodness here. Um, Like, the Titans defense, I don't know. You're a Titans fan, you can tell me. But they they have looked awful. And now their number one corner is out, um, adding to already several injuries on the defense. Like, Like, their defense is in shambles. Um, Kansas city should just be able to exploit it. Um, and I mean, we're just going to see a ton of points in this game. I don't think there's any way around it. Um, so despite ownership, I think you're, you're going to want some exposure in some way. Maybe you try to get creative, um, with an off the wall play. It's chiefs wide receivers that I would look to, to try to get weird with this. I mean, we've seen Hardman have a, have a fairly decent role. Demarcus Robinson caught a touchdown last week, I believe. Um, Josh Gordon is there lingering. We don't know when he um, tries to like take over some of that, some of those snaps. Um, presumably they brought him in for a reason and they want to work him in. Is this the week that it happens? I don't know. Um, Pringle is still there, but uh, yeah, I think these uh, secondary chiefs wide receivers are going to be a good way to differentiate in this game. But I don't know if you have a strong lean on, lean on who, who it might be. Um, worst case scenario would be like, oh yeah, this is the week that we're going to get Josh Gordon involved. That just come, Andy Reid says that out loud, um, and Josh Gordon just ends up as as massive chalk. But I don't foresee that happening. So it, it's going to be kind of a guessing game with the with these Chiefs secondary wide receivers. I feel for this Titans defense because I was really excited on paper coming into it. Bud Dupree missed a couple of weeks because he rushed back from injury. Amani Hooker didn't play like at all. The starting safety, you finally get them back. And Christian Fulton having a phenomenal year goes on IR. You know, you lose uh, Caleb Farley, first round draft pick towards ACL. You feel for that kid who was thrown in the fire last night and kind of, you know, waiting to see what his upside is. Chris Jackson got hurt, another guy on the outside. So the fact that I'm rattling off a bunch of corners that the public doesn't know generally shows you where we are now with Breon Borders and and, and uh, rookie Elijah Molden, who's great, but he's not on the outside. And Janoris Jenkins, shell of what he was. I feel like we're getting the Malcolm Butler treatment here where uh, Tennessee thought they were getting a veteran who could still play, and he just can't. I mean, Jenkins got destroyed on multiple man coverage routes, which really kind of forced t- Titans' hand to play soft stuff over the middle and two deep safeties. And if Mahomes is actually patient enough to take what Tennessee is going to give him, I think that's kind of like an Achilles heel of Mahomes. He looks for the home run so much. I don't think there's anything wrong with Mahomes. I know people are looking for something to be wrong with him. He's so good. And he's able to make so many of these throws that uh, more oftentimes than not, like uh, like the volatility catches up with you and you get hit as you throw or you get a tip pass or you throw across your body and you turn the ball over a little bit. So this Titans defense has never been at full strength and it won't be this year at all. I will say the pass rush, we're talking about the bills and maybe the best offense in the league. Like the front four looked really good. Harold Landry, six and a half sacks. Like there is a chance that there is pressure on Mahomes, And I think there'll be enough where Mahomes will make a mistake or two that might crack the door open for Tennessee to win the game. But for DFS purposes, I don't care if Mahomes throws three picks. I think he throws for 400 yards and three touchdowns. The Titans could win this game if Mahomes makes mistakes, but we don't care about that. Mahomes, everybody's just bashing Mahomes, Keith, and his fantasy output has been fine. Like, it's been okay. We haven't had that 40-point game, but 36, 28, 24, 32, 21, 27, high floor, 
extremely high ceiling this week. And there were points last season where we're used to all three of these skill guys being 9K. So for me, if I'm gung-ho on the Chiefs and I don't care about the ownership as much, if that's like what your thought process is, I'm just double stacking Tyreek and Kelsey and I'm being done with it because Kelsey's under 8K. And I think we need to see where Zach Ertz is going to come in, which I think is going to help Kelsey's ownership a a little bit, although I do think it's going to be high. But if Zach Ertz wasn't on this slate at that price tag, I'm guessing we'd have to be worried about Kelsey's ownership even more. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Like you look at the elite wide receivers and they're, they're in the mid eight to high eight K range. Like that's, that's where Kelsey should be. He's underpriced and he fills a tight end spot. So um, yeah, I, Kelsey's ownership is, is probably going to get away from us a little bit. I think Tyreek's will as well. Um, just an awesome spot for these guys. Uh, you're going to, I'm going to, at least, I mean, you can argue game theory and all of that, that, that you might want to end up underweight on these guys, but it's just such a great spot for them. It's hard to see um, a situation where, where both of these guys fail. Obviously one of them could go absolutely nuclear and the other one could fail. Um, but both of them failing in this spot is, is really tough to get to, to foresee. It is, it is really tough. It, it's really tough. I, I agree. Both of those guys are banged up too. It, I guess it's a little scary to double stack because you know, one wrong hit and they're spending some time in the locker room or their sideline. We saw that Chiefs game last week. I mean, Kelsey holding his arm. Tyreek was in the locker room for most of the third quarter. So there is risk there for sure in playing some of these guys. But And and maybe that's how one of them gets there and one of them doesn't, right? If one of them's off the field, you know where Mahomes is going to look to first. So there is risk in this game on both sides. You have A.J. Brown who's been dealing with injuries the whole season too. It's like the only durable guy in this game, and I'm knocking on wood, is the workhorse Derrick Henry who, God forbid. I mean, the guy just looks like a machine, but there's some risk, you know, with, with some guys in this game as well. But uh, let's talk about a couple other game environments here. I'm glad we spent time on the most popular game for sure. And, and it warranted the discussion. So where are you looking at next year, Keith? I mean, the thing that stood out the most to me is the, the prices on the Cincinnati wide receivers. Um, obviously Baltimore and what they did to the chargers last week is a little bit concerning, um, and Joe Mixon's workload and they're not really wanting to unleash Joe Burrow is, is kind of why you're seeing the, the dip in these prices or just the, that they're not getting priced up to where they should be. Uh, but the talent on the, in this wide receiver group is, I mean, among the best in the league. Like Chase has shown it and for some reason is not getting a price bump. Uh, T. Higgins, I mean, last year we saw a massive uh, red zone roll. Um, coming back from injury last week, he was, he was pretty chalky and didn't end up getting there, but now he's under 5k. And I think that the role for these Bengals receivers, um, even, even if Baltimore is a, still a pretty good defense, despite the, the injuries, I, I think Cincinnati is trailing in this game. And I think Cincinnati's wide receivers are, are a spot I'm definitely going to be looking to. I'm going to pivot to another game that we briefly talked about before the show and it's revenge game city and it's Matt Stafford and the Rams hosting the lions. I am really curious to see some ownership projections this week because you have the two guys up top in Murray and Mahomes who typically like, of course I'll have exposure to those guys on a given week, but I'm more or less, you know, looking five or six guys down and, and hoping the range of outcomes for Mahomes and Murray isn't like 45 points, right? And hoping I just survive. And I've been looking for upside at other positions. I'm petrified this week with the matchups Murray and Mahomes are both in, like not having 
a ton of exposure to those upside to those up to those quarterbacks upside if that's the direction I go. But then I look at Stafford. Not only are you getting a cupcake matchup, but the price tag. I mean, seventy one hundred. You can make that work with Cooper Cup's price tag that we talked about. Kind of you know, got jacked up there. So I am expecting Murray and Mahomes to garner a ton of ownership. But like after that. I, I, I don't know. This is like my first look sitting down today with you today. Like where does Stafford fall? You know, 7,100, I think is just like probably really generous, you know? And of course, Lamar is right above him at 74. So I think DK like actually did a different, a, a pretty good job of, of pricing these quarterbacks because you still have uh, the matchup guys in Stafford and Lamar. And we know Lamar has as much upside as Kyler and Mahomes. Um and then you still have Aaron Rodgers against against Washington hanging out right there too. So Stafford and the and these and these Rams, like I, I don't know where they're gonna fall. If if everyone's gonna flock to that KC Titans game, you're spending a lot of salary to get those volume oriented guys. So what are your thoughts about this Rams game? Is it gonna be Darrell Henderson the move? Is that where the, the ownership's gonna go? I, I think the ownership will go to Henderson. That's that's great, great call. Um and I think that Stafford and the passing attack is going to slip through the cracks despite being elite up to this point this season. Like Stafford is right next to Lamar. Like people are going to click Lamar over Stafford. Um, people are absolutely going to want Mahomes exposure and Murray exposure. Um, Rogers with a decent matchup at, at Washington who hasn't been the defense we thought they were going to be. So, I mean, that, that puts Stafford as what the sixth option that we're talking about here. Like you, they're just, isn't much ownership left at that point. Um, Tannehill is a guy we didn't talk about, about who is, is down there. Like people are going to play Tannehill against this bad Chiefs defense. Stafford's going to come in really low owned and, and I love it as a tournament pivot. Me too. Um, I mean, we talked about Cup. Uh, Higby uh, hasn't quite performed to the level that we thought we were going to, but the price tag is still really nice on Higby. Um, I think he's a guy that you can target in this matchup. Uh, and then we've seen Robert Woods blow up once this year. Who's to say he can't do it again? So I, I love this Rams passing attack. I, I do agree. Henderson is going to get a lot of ownership with with his price still there um, in the mid sixes. But uh, I, I love the, the passing attack, despite they're like they're getting priced up, but they're they're putting up numbers to where they can still pay that off. No problem. Especially in this matchup against Detroit. Keith, I love a good game stack. I know you do too. Uh, we Absolutely. see team stacks yeah. getting it done. Obviously it's, you know, one more outcome you're not controlling in your lineup, kind of like pairing something, an outcome together. But a couple of weeks ago, we saw Tampa Bay throttle Miami and uh, team stacks were fine there. You know, Brady kept the pedal down and obviously Antonio Brown, you know, was um, optimal with Brady and we saw Cup do his thing, and Stafford was optimal in some tournament builds as well. They blew out the Giants, didn't even play some of the fourth quarter, some of the starters, and they they were optimal in some tournaments as well. Like, I can see this being a case where the Rams throttle Detroit, you play a team stack, and if, I mean, I don't know what the odds are this week of Murray or Mahomes not having a ceiling game, but even if Murray and Mahomes go for 40, and what if Stafford goes for 30? Like, do you take it if you hit the rest of your lineup? So it might be one of those. Like, you might be biting off a little more than you want to chew, but I think there's an outcome where you can get away with a little team stack uh, in in Detroit. And if you're, like, narrative-y, then you kind of like that Stafford against Detroit a little bit even more. Right. I, I know, I know. You want to talk about the Jared Goff revenge game, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, prob- probably we'll be passing on that one against this brutal Rams defense. 
I think you make a great point on Tannehill before you jump to the next thing. Like you, you man, like you might not even have to play AJ or uh, AJ Brown to get leverage. Like, I, I don't know. Of course you want to pair him with Tannehill. Like I wish Julio would just play. That would solve some problems here. But what I'm saying is Tannehill will run that read option. And everybody in the stadium thinks Henry is getting the ball. He scored on the ground against Kansas city last year. Like he uses his legs. There's a chance Derrick Henry has 150 yards and, and no touchdowns. I would not bet on that, but it's possible Tannehill scores twice with his legs. And then, wow, you know, Henry at that price tag. And then you have Tannehill with 12, uh, 12 points right off rushing touchdowns right there. And he is like vastly overdue for a good game through the air. So I think Tannehill is a great call. I don't know what AJ Brown's going to come in at ownership wise. Like, the Chiefs just affect so many things on this slate, I feel like, because they're price tag. They're not 9K, so no one's scared at all to play them. So, like, I like that Tannehill, A.J. Brown. And you know what? You want to run it back with Tyreek? Fine. You want to run it back with Kelsey? That's fine, too. You don't want to run it back at all? Go for it. But, I mean, it's just so easy to play Tannehill and A.J. Brown, too. Yeah, I'm going to take it a step further and say you can play Tannehill with Derrick Henry just because this is absolutely an elite game environment. Like I don't generally use a running back in my games, st- like a, a quarterback running back in my game stacks from the same team. But I think this is a unique scenario where we could just see a massive amount of points. Like you said, Tannehill could, could run one in. Uh, if he ends up throwing one to Henry, obviously, then you're really cooking. Um, but Henry, Henry and Tannehill can both see massive ceilings Um even if it's not a direct correlated touchdown to them just because of this game environment. And, and the, I, what I expect the chiefs to give up in this game. We almost indirectly talked about almost every game on this slate, like at least a piece of it, <laughs> which is cool because usually we don't have the opportunity to do that, but we didn't even mention the world's what well, we did. We mentioned Jalen hurts before, but he, there's Jalen. What's Jalen hurts going to come in at 4% 6,900. He's been the, the like the best bad quarterback in DFS he he almost has the Ryan Fitzpatrick blueprint of well we don't know we don't really want him on our real life team we root for but in fantasy <laughs> yeah fire him up at under 7k because he just produces J- Jalen Hurt I mean are the Eagles sneaky just for a price thing like having some I can't knock you for playing Jalen Hurts you know Devontae Smith's getting the air yards Jalen Hurts just stinks Zach Ertz is out of the equation is Goddard going to be back off the COVID list? Probably. I mean, you could play Jalen Hurts. I talked about Miles Sanders. These guys are cheap on this slate. I, I think that's interesting. I don't know if you have any input on, on any of that. I guess I probably just stated the obvious, but no one's going to have Jalen Hurts. But um, talk to me about that game and then like jump into, we didn't talk about, we talked about McKissick earlier, but if Aaron Rodgers in a potential smash spot too. Definitely. Yeah. Philly, you're definitely going to get them at low ownership, I think. Um, Sanders, despite being really low priced, I mean, we haven't seen it on him. I don't think people are going to want to do that. Uh, Hertz's price is climbing. So I think he's coming in very low owned here as well, especially with some of the, the other quarterbacks in great spots that we've talked about. So Hertz is going to be another off the, off the radar play. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you nail it'd be Smith or Goddard that I wanted to pair him with. So I mean, I, I like that as a, a very low-owned uh, deep field tournament play. Love that. I know um, I know Oakland's – Oakland, I'm living in the past. The Raiders' <laughs> pass rush has been better. 
but like hurts in a game where he threw for 115 yards, you know, did it on the ground, you know, just looking at his game log, like he smashes against terrible defenses. And even, even at Carolina, you know, we talked about that front seven, you know, tw- you know almost 24 fantasy points, that price won't kill you in tournaments. You know, you probably won't take anything down if Murray or Mahomes go for a complete ceiling game, but like, I, I think, I think that's fine. So I, th- I think that's interesting. Um, I wasn't going to end this podcast before story time without just us addressing that Cordell Patterson is 8k um, on, <laughs> on FanDuel. But I also, I also think there are pieces in this game that are going to go way under own because yeah, the total is 47 and a half and B Miami played across the pond last week and Atlanta coming off a bye because they played off the pond across the pond two weeks ago, I believe if I'm, or was that last week? I don't know. I'm losing my mind here. Either way. I had a bye last week. Okay. Atlanta did have the bye. So Kyle Pitts finally did his thing and he's priced up. Kyle Pitts is going to be vastly underowned against a a defense. I don't particularly care about. And um, Tua came back and I guess you can even, we're going to get some Tua questions. You can punt Tua in this matchup. I mean, he looked like Tua. I think he's not great, but he, did well DFS wise. I don't know if he's a long-term answer in Miami, but he, he addressed Jalen Waddle and he addressed uh, Mike Kosicki. And that's all I care about. And if Devonte Parker doesn't play, like I'm very much so interested in Parker Waddle and Kyle Pitts in this game, I guess Cordell Patterson on DK, but I'm not paying eight K for him on FanDuel. So I think there's some pieces in this game that, that are going to be way overlooked and under owned. Yeah, this could be a sneaky, like, High-scoring game, right? Um, I don't think either one of the defenses is particularly great. And there's – I mean, you just talked about a bunch of talent on both offenses. So, um, yeah, I, I like this as a potentially very low-owned game stack. People are going to forget what Kyle Pitts did because it was two weeks ago now. Yep. Um, and, and the, I mean, his price tag is up there almost 6K. I, I think he goes off the radar with – uh, the spot that Kelsey is in, we, we talked about Zach Ertz's price. Like those two are going to garner a ton of the ownership. The guy on the other side, Gasicki, should get some ownership. I, I think Pitts is going to be underutilized here and, and has a massive ceiling. Um, I, I don't mind Ridley either. Mid sixes on his price. He's back. Uh, yeah, that, that London game, we saw him start to get targeted down the field a little bit more. Like through the first couple of weeks, like they, he was just running these short, like dump off type routes. Um, his A dot through like four weeks was, I want to say like six. Um, but I think that climbed to 12. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but it, it was up there in that London game. So very encouraged by that development and what we saw out of the Falcons. And it was two weeks ago now. Nobody remembers that. Um, but yeah, that great point. Going to look into these Falcons a little bit more. Um, Miami, Waddle has is fairly priced in the mid fives if Parker misses and Gesicki at four, seven interested in him as well. So yeah, don't mind this as a game stack as well. I think you get them all very loaned. One more question for you before story time, and then we'll get out of here. Thanks for sticking with us guys. Devante Adams, where is he going to fall ownership wise? You have Tyreek in that game. If Cooper cup against Detroit, like what? Like, I don't think a ton of people are going to play Aaron Rodgers this week. And it's a fantastic matchup at home against the football team whose defense has been terrible. We talked about the two guys up top at quarterback. Lamar is too cheap. Matt Stafford is probably too cheap. Some people will play Tannehill for some leverage. Jalen Hurts, 
under 7K. Like, like where does Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers fall? That that's the that's the question for me, Keith. What what do you think? I know we're early in this week here. Yeah, I think Rodgers is way off the board. Adams is going to get owned. I think. Um, I mean, you just look at like he has elite of elite target share. People might be upset that he burned him against the Bears. Like he was fairly chalky last week in a tough matchup with the Bears. Um, and, I mean, he just missed that touchdown by like a couple inches he stepped out as he was running down the sideline. So, I mean, I'm going right back to Adams. I love this matchup for him. Um, the volume is as elite as it gets. Uh, I mean, two weeks ago, he had 16 targets, 11 targets, 18 targets. Like we, we see these spike weeks where Rogers just locks onto him. And I mean, it seems like it, you can just see like three or four targets in a row all the way down the field goes Devonte Adams and ends up in the end zone. Um, I'm not fading that against this, this Washington team. So despite being um, priced up as the highest wide receiver on the slate, I'm, I want plenty of Adams this week. I know that. I like it. I like it. All right. Story time on this show. We like to talk about something crazy that happens in our life or something wacky. I think on the first show I talked about my girlfriend's kid thought he crapped his pants at the first peewee football practice. And that was my first like, Stepdad crisis mode, don't know what to do. Um, but in this case, I had a, an interesting parlay ticket. And of course, I am a Titans fan and like an idiot. I made this ticket last week while I was laying in bed and uh, ended it with the Titans money line, which is a big no-no. And I had all these sharps in my Twitter mention telling me to cash out at two o'clock and telling me, wow, the Titans are going to get blown out. Why did you end your parlay with an underdog money line? Like <laughs> we're just in this day and age where someone can't be happy for each other. And yeah, I, I know what I'm doing. I just, I'm a homer and I was on melatonin on Wednesday night laying in bed and I just clicked the Titans because the odds of my ticket went right up. I'm like, nah, there, there's some lunch money. So um, my tweet went pretty viral. I'm not even that popular of a guy, but I had like 80,000 Twitter impressions, Keith. It kind of gave me anxiety a little bit. Same. <laughs> but um, so it was a 12-team parlay. And no, um, the Titans money line was my last leg on it. And no, I did not cash out. And um, it started with Tampa Bay on Thursday night. I took alt spread, uh, bucks minus three and a half. Um had a couple roller coasters in the 12 game uh, ticket. You can see it on my Twitter. Uh, had the Cowboys money line, the Steelers money line, you know, uh, both closer than I wanted to. I had two coin flips uh, at the four o'clock game. I had the Cardinals plus three and the Raiders plus three and a half. I just thought they were better on paper, honestly. And I took the points and uh, I didn't expect those to be the, like the breeze through games. But so I just put lunch money on this thing, guys. You know, I, I wish I wish I had a few drinks and tossed more on it. Trust me. And I would not have I would have hedged better, but I played it like a fish because it was a couple bucks. And so basically I let it I let this ticket ride the whole game. And, and the odds are uh, plus fifty seven thousand. So um, just to put that into that's retro, it, just just five seventy to one. Nothing. Yeah, that's fine. So ten, <laughs> ten bucks would have won you just south of six grand. A hundred bucks would have um, had you a down payment more than a down payment on a on a nice house in this market. So um, my lunch money turned into, uh, I could go to steakhouse money, but we're going Applebee's tonight, man. But so basically I rode this whole thing out in one of the craziest games, Keith. And I want to know what your input was because in hindsight, I'm saying, wow, wow, Luch, you're a wimp. Like, why would you do that? So I rode this thing out the entire game and the bills had what fourth and one at the one and a half yard line, a couple timeouts. 
could have got the first, like, what are the odds they get the first down? I saw next gen stats said it was at least 75%. I think that's soft with Josh Allen and company. <laughs> so they could have got the first down and then had three more downs to punch it in. I Titans money line, by the way, 20 seconds left in the game. So they call a timeout. And of course um, I'm on my phone and, and FanDuel gave me a generous cash out option. The bills punch it in the Titans lose. I, you know, I don't have any money. And of course a couple of bucks and, you know, I, I, I uh, sold myself short of a few G's at this point, which, you know, I play a lot of volume in NBA and stuff. And of course I would have liked to have more money, but I cashed out Ooh. during the timeout. Um, and I ended up, uh, I guess in tournament terms, 160 Xing my, my $10, which is, which is <laughs> fine. Like I feel great about it. the Titans got a sick win, but the odds of Josh Allen slipping and running right into Jeff Simmons and not converting. Like I, I, I didn't see that as a rational outcome. So I cashed out because I thought I made the right call. And I think a lot of people would say, yeah, just take the money. Cause like, you're not going to have anything in about 10 seconds. Right. And yeah, it's a couple bucks. Why not let it ride easy to say in hindsight, but I'm like, well, yeah, I'll take, I'll take, you know, I'll take the 1600 bucks. Fine, fine with me. I mean, man, whatever. yeah, just brutal. Um, yeah, tough decision. I can't even can't even imagine what you're going through as as Buffalo is pushing it deep into Titans territory there at the end of that game. Um, obviously, in hindsight, sucks that you hit the cash out button. But I mean, it, I I I would have done the same thing. Like Josh Allen, fourth and inches inside the five yard line. Um, I mean, you figure the yeah seventy five percent. I think was the number you put on it. I I agree. Like Josh Allen gets that more than three out of four times. Um, I'm an unbiased Titans fan. Like I'm ecstatic. They got the win. I have everything we said on this show. The defense is in shambles. The offense is elite. The The pass rush is okay. But that, that there was no doubt in my mind that ball's going in. And I made a spur of the moment decision and my, the who I stream on Hulu and I'm like, I'm like probably like 50 seconds behind. So as soon as they called that timeout on my team, I knew I had 10 seconds to make a decision. Like I made an extreme spur. Like, I was like, man, why couldn't I have been in the bathroom, like, you know, dropping a deuce or like going to the fridge to get a Bud Light or like something other than having the phone <laughs> doing the right thing, in my opinion, <laughs> did not yeah. work out. No, I, I think it was the right thing. Like you, you figure Allen gets the first down. As soon as Allen gets the first down, it's first and goal from the three yard line. Your, your cash out option goes away, basically. Like, like if it's first and goal, you're not going to have a cash out option until potentially two plays later. And by then you might've already lost the ticket. Like, yep. so even if they, the Titans come up with a sack or something, then you put the bills in a field goal situation. They tie the game. You get overtime. Forget it. Uh, yeah. Like, do you really want, I mean, to be betting against Josh Allen in, in overtime against with the forget Titans it. banged up defense, like forget it. I, I think with, with Allen having the ball inside the five yard line there, man, I, I can't blame you a bit for, I wrote it out. out as long Locking as I your rationally. Profit, you never go broke, right? Yeah, it's all good. Take the profit, as I say in the stock world. And uh, before the game, before before the game, the buyout option was eleven hundred off the ten dollars tickets, I believe, give or take. So, I mean, I actually, all the people that were calling for my head for not cashing out, you know, I actually made a couple hundred more bucks. So, there but you go. See? <laughs> real mix of emotions when when I saw Alan fall. I mean, I was pumped, but I'm like, are you serious? You know, like that was the most. contrarian outcome i guess you could say probably at that point (laughs) but uh it was fun 
Yeah, man, just just an awesome story. I don't know if people realize how hard it is to hit 12 legs of, of any parlay, especially betting NFL sides and totals. Like, man, that's just kudos to you. Um, that's, that is a really, really hard thing to do. I, I appreciate it. I actually have a, a good, one of my best friends from home, uh, Josh Mooney, shout out, hit 26 of 28 the last two weeks, and Denver burned him both weeks. Both weeks, oh, Denver. Man. So I kind of put this in, I'm like, Eh, my buddy, my, my boy's doing. It. I'm gonna throw one in, and I put a little thought into it. But really, I was like laying in bed, like I don't know. You know who you like at this point. You know what lines don't look right or, or whatever. And um, I do a lot of props. I know you and I both do a lot of stuff on scores and odds. And you guys should check out scores and odds. All of our expert picks are on there, and our team's awesome. Like uh, I started doing, I started writing, doing some write ups in August, and I do a lot of props. And I know props are you know the bread and butter for a lot of DFS players, but. Um, I think I'm like 18 and six so far. Got really lucky on the Julio over, but I'll take it yesterday with that off the off the helmet catch. But you're crushing it over there too, man. So so kudos to you and and definitely check out our scores and odd stuff, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Had a had a great baseball season. Missed on a couple of football picks here to start, but we'll we'll get back on track. Uh, definitely a great product over there. Check that out for sure. Yeah, the whole team. I mean, Grant crushed MLB. I mean, Meansy with his early picks. Everybody. I mean. Uh, it, it's just awesome stuff and sports betting has exploded and I'm going to run back a parlay. Like I can't, I'm going to just going to throw some more lunch money on something else. I, I just wanted it for, uh, for the clout as the kids say, right? Like I just wanted to hit the 12 teamer more than win the money at this point. And, but at that point, if, like if the ball is on the five yard line, maybe <laughs> I let it right. The four yard, yeah, like, you know, if they weren't able to get the first down, even like maybe my, my 10 second, like switch went off when I had to make that decision. And, uh man so uh hey man profits profit i guess but uh i'm not the coolest guy on social media and that, that's okay though <laughs> that's okay. awesome story man keith uh where can the people find out uh the rest of your work this week like what do you got going on for roto grinders um yeah so i do tons of the content stuff um you can find me with the the value rankings or tags and lineup hq um, obviously baseball season is wrapped up for the most part on that, but I'll be doing some of it for NBA, uh, expert surveys and things like that. And then find me on a couple of shows. Obviously we still have the NFL show every Sunday night for Sunday night football, uh, be on a couple of crunch times for, for basketball coming up here. So really excited to get into that. Um, fun time of year for sure. Absolutely, man. Well, thanks a lot for joining me and a uh, shout out to the chief. Hopefully we get you back this week and, uh, you know, take your Pedialyte and take your NyQuil and get ready for some more DFS. So we miss you chief and we'll talk to you on the show soon, but uh, Keith, anything else before we get out of here? No, man. Uh, this was a blast. Love, love looking ahead to the, to the week that we got coming up. Another exciting week of football. So yeah, fun doing it. Be happy to join you anytime. Appreciate it, man. Well, enjoy the rest of your week. Everybody uh, like and subscribe the uh, Roto Grinders podcast feed and uh, check out our premium content and our packages now that we are in full swing in the DFS world. So for Keith Eister, I'm Justin Carlucci. Enjoy your week and good luck.